Thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. We're going to need you, God, to just come and do exactly what you've been doing all service long. I'm asking in the mighty name of Jesus for your grace and your mercy and your peace to just come in the most remarkable way again and again and again. God, without you, we can do nothing. So we just need you. We want you. We believe, Lord God, that your goodness is the sole purpose as to why we're here, God, because you are absolutely magnificent. So we gather for you and for you alone in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Guys, you can help me get that on the screen up there. I'd appreciate it. And uh, if you need to hijack it, the slides are on there as well. They'll get it on there, and I appreciate it. Art of the Heart, we've been talking about this this incredible series dealing with relationships and dealing with love and dealing with understanding of who we are and who God is. And I absolutely love talking about this subject. In fact, it parallels what we've been talking about during our midweek service. And during our midweek service, we've been going through the same journey, which has been really, really remarkable. And and we've been talking about you, me, and God. it's been uh, along the same heartbeat as the Art of the Heart series, and, and it's just been so great. I've had so many people that have come up to me and talked to me because we talked about relationships. We talked about marriage, which we're going to talk about today, marriage and family, and, and we've gone through so many intense subjects, even talking about sex and pornography and some of the hot-button subjects, and I've had people that have been calling me and texting me saying, I finally found courage to talk to my wife about what I struggle with, and now together we're tackling the problem, and we're going to pray together and we're going to dive into this together. And people who have secret sins are coming out of those secrecy and they're being open and vulnerable with each other, trusting God to break them through like I know that he will. And so the testimony is breaking the back of the enemy and he's bringing people out of darkness and into his marvelous light, which is pretty exciting. And I love it. And I'm going to believe that that is going to continue to happen today. God is a relationship. God in and of himself is a relationship, which is kind of a fascinating topic. It's kind of a fascinating thought. In fact, it's our triune God. He's he in and of himself, in, his, in the fact that he is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is a relationship. Now, this is kind of mind-boggling for me. So, check it out. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. It says, God speaking, he says, God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. All the creeps say, hey. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Are we good on the slides? Do you want me to hijack it again? Try one more time. I got you. No, no extra charge. No extra charge for me to do what I do up here. Boom. Okay, cool. So that's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Absolutely deep stuff. So God in and of himself is a relationship. Okay, so check this out. So if, if, if God is speaking here, and he says, let us make man in our image. Who's, he, who's talking? It's the, it's the relationship of our God in and of himself speaking in this moment. Now, I need a little help right here at the beginning. In fact, Jonathan and Emily, would you guys come on up here real quick? I did not prepare you guys for this or nothing, but that's how we roll around here. So let me just hit you with this one. So, so, so God says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, right? Now, here's what I believe. I, I believe that he created 
Uh, he created Adam. In the Hebrew, he created Adam. What he created was mankind. So you guys are going to stand like really, really close together, like hug like you're really, really close. He created mankind. It, he created both sides of the spectrum, both male and female attributes, eternally existent in one person. One person. So Adam, Adam, was one kind. So God looked at Adam and he said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And a better translation is it's not good for mankind to be all one I'm going to create a helper suitable for him. So he looks through all the beasts of the field and all this stuff, and he's like, nah, none of that's going to work. Here's what I'm going to do. He's going to go to sleep, and we're going to pull a rib out, and we're going to create Eve. So now she's on the other side right here. Now we have, you guys can separate just a smidge now. I know you love each other really a lot. Okay, so now you have male and female coming together. So what he did was he said it wasn't good for it to be all one. I'm going to create a helper. He's going to work like this where the both of them are going to come together creating the, wo the woman. So the two of them together now make the full spectrum of who our God is. So this is why marriage is such a beautiful thing and a perfect picture of male and female coming together in holy matrimony because man is going to leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And in that union, they're going to create one flesh. Going back to the original idea of mankind being one whole entity. But this was a better idea. Because you don't see just males walking around. Jonathan doesn't walk around saying, hey, I'm made in the image of God. But she's not because she's a girl. That, I mean, maybe they say that on the kindergarten playground, but that's not how it is realistically. The full spectrum of who our God is, male and female attributes, is shown in the male-female union that comes together. You guys can be seated. Thank you guys so much. You're amazing. So I've shared that several times around here before, and I love doing it because the picture works so vividly in my mind. God looked at this and said, it's not good that it's all one. It's got to be a relationship. And so he created male and female. And now in that union, the full spectrum of who our God is, that doesn't work male, male. It doesn't work female, female. And it doesn't work male, whatever you want to come up with in the next 10 years. You know what I'm saying? But it's going to be male, female, God's idea, so that when we come together in holy matrimony as husband and wife, and there's union, there's intimacy there. When that happens, there's this beautiful picture. This is why, if I'm, if I'm just being honest, this is why homosexuality is such a, 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 an affront on the heart of God. Because it's not just about a sexual preference. It's about an attack on the very image of God. It's about, it's about perverting or twisting the very image of God. And now I don't say that to downplay. It, it, there's all kinds of stuff. I have friends that have struggled with this area and have been in that, and that's totally real, and I fully get that. But you have to begin to understand that in God's biblical precedent of what marriage is designed to look like, it is designed to look like image bearers, sons and daughters that have come together in holy matrimony under the union of who Christ is. And in that, we, we get to represent God in relationship. So there's that for what it's worth. <laughs> so in fact, the stage gets set for a whole new light. This whole thing, Christianity, the kingdom of God is about a father seated next to a son engaged to a bride. The kingdom, Christianity is a family focused faith. Christianity is a family focused faith. This whole thing it works within the context of family. It's all family. 
I love that. That's why every time I come to church, I see this as family. Because some of our individual families maybe were rough. Maybe we had a hard background or maybe mom or dad wasn't there for us or wasn't good to us the way that we, they should have been. And all those things happen. But praise God, when you get connected to the church, what you were lacking maybe in your actual family can be made up with the spiritual family. I don't know how many people that didn't have good spiritual fathers but got connected to the church and found spiritual fathers in their life that all of a sudden started pouring into them the way that they're supposed to and what their natural father was lacking, a spiritual father made up for in many ways. It's family, and it was his design. One of the first and greatest things that I learned from my mentor, my Theo, when he was pouring into me was that my ministry begins at home. He always told me, Mijo, your ministry begins at home. And what I, what I always gathered from that, especially at a young age, was, hey, don't, don't ever expect for anyone to ever hand you a microphone if you're not willing to do the dishes. <laughs> don't expect anyone to ever give you any kind of platform if you're not willing to take the trash out, if you're not willing to serve your parents, if you're not willing to do the basics of the home. And you know what? That's very true. And that was really good for my foundation. But I've learned as time has gone on how crucial it is that my ministry everywhere is a reflection of what my ministry is like at home. My ministry everywhere, in fact, everything that I do and everywhere that I go is a reflection of my ministry at home. So you could say who I am everywhere I go is a reflection of who I am at home. Who It's who I am. What I'm trying to get us to do a little bit today is we kind of kind of We're going to separate some thoughts and we're going to venture into some areas that maybe we're not typically used to. But as we do this, what I really want to grind deep into your heart, and I believe it's on the heart of the Father today, is that we would begin to separate this idea that our our home life and our public life are supposed to be drastically different. In our growth group on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about what it's like to wear a mask Is there benefits to wearing a mask? Is it positive to wear a mask? Why do people wear a mask? Can you be your authentic self without having to come and put another mask on? And we had so many people share about testimonies about how they were the king of wearing masks, and that's what they did. So when it was Sunday morning, they would go to their little cabinet and pull out the Sunday morning mask and put that on. But they, but they, they couldn't deal with their authentic self on who they really were. And so because who they were at home differed so greatly from who they were out and about, it started messing with the fabric of their spiritual nature. So I learned some things about, man, I I need to make sure that I'm a reflection of who I am at home everywhere that I go. And if I don't like who I am at home, I have to be willing to submit to the Holy Spirit of God for transformation to begin to take place in my life to manifest at home. Because if it will begin to manifest at home, it will bleed into my public life. If I'm unwilling to care for my own family, I have no business trying to care for everybody else's. If I struggle to love my own wife and kids, I'm going to find it incredibly difficult to love those around me. If I'm unwilling to serve my family, I'm certainly going to be unwilling to serve anywhere else. Furthermore, if the tables turn and let's say I'm only willing to serve others, I'm only willing to care for, <coughs> care for others. Excuse me, I've been sick since Wednesday. Keep praying for me. If I'm only willing to care for others, if I'm only willing to serve others, if I'm only willing to love others, and I'm not willing to do that for my home, we also have another problem. So there has to be a bleed over between the two, who you are privately and who you are publicly, so that the marriage and family absolutely receives that, feels that, knows that. 
the choice target of the Lord for each of us is that it all starts at home. Let me tell you this. Presence is the best of presents. Your presence, man, is the best of presents. It's the best of the gifts that you can give to your family. I kind of struggled in putting together some of these topics today, and it's not because uh, I have nothing to say on the topic. It's that I have so much to say on the topic. I had to be very choosy on some things. So I feel like these are, this is the highlight reel uh, of some things that are very much on my heart and the heart of the Father. But your presence is the best of presence. Being present goes a really, really long way. You, you know that you could be in the room and not be in the room. Like you could be in the room and not be present, for sure. We know that, right? And these only make it that much more complicated to be in the room and not be, you know, engaging with people around you. So when I think about the church, so often we, God's children, cry out for his presence. Like, this is what the children of God do. We did it all this morning, and Pastor led us into that incredible time afterwards where we just had an authentic cry come out of us, and it wasn't scripted, and there wasn't lyrics on the screen to back it up, and we just began to cry out to God, and it was the children crying out for the presence of the Lord to fill the room, telling him, God, we just want to be with you. It's children crying out to be with the Father. It's the same thing in the home. It's children crying out to be with the Father, crying out to be with the mother, crying out to be with each other, to be recognized in the room. And we wrestle with this when it comes with family sometimes because there's so many things grasping for our attention. So we struggle to be present with our own families. Let me tell you this much. I've almost fallen into the trap myself of utilizing work as my scapegoat to not be present. Uh, even as I was preparing this message, it was funny. My, my son was there, and he was playing a game on the ground, and, and I was working on this message for Sunday morning, and I did, wasn't able to finish it because I was kind of sick, and I was trying to bounce back, and so I was working on it, and, and I was, like, getting to the point where I'm, like, almost done, and I was like, Judah, you want me to play, you want to play a game with you? And he's like, yeah, put your computer away. <laughs> And I was like, ah, oh, conviction right off the bat. So I had to like put it away, you know, and I was like, well, I'm trying to put the message together for Sunday and I got to be ready and there's church and it's my responsibility. And I put the food on the table and keep the house and yada, yada, yada. So that's why I got to put the message together. Judah, all he cares about is daddy, put the computer away and come play with me. Practice what you preach, right? And so, but it was a beautiful moment. It was a, uh. And, and it stings a little bit, but I also don't want to fall into the facade. I'm not giving you permission to be like, hey, be lazy and neglect all your responsibilities and just play with your kids all day and have fun. I'm saying there's a healthy balance between I need to provide and not get lost in my work and in my effort and in my striving that my family pays the price so that we have a nicer car. Your kids would rather you be in the pool with them at the local YMCA public pool than at the grandest resort and you be working on your computer. Your kids would rather be in the backside of the broke down house or apartment or whatever we could afford in this moment just trying to get by and have you with them and they're going to feel like the richest in the world than in the grandest of homes and you're always in another room. Your presence is the best and the greatest of presents. I've heard some people say that they just feel like their kids only want their money, that they only show up when they need money. They only show up and ask for money, and it's the only time they call is when they need money, and it's all about that. Let me just tell you this. Your, your kids, they don't want your money more than your face. 
They really don't. They want you. And if to, some de- if to some degree they seem to want your money, it's because on some level of their subconscious, they've convinced themselves that that's all they're going to get from you. They can't get your presence, so they're just, they'll take the money. And they'll pretend that that's all they want, when the reality is that's not all they want. They really want you. And if we would be convicted upon that and allow the Holy Spirit to say, hey, one of the greatest, most spiritually powerful things you could do is spend time with your wife and spend time with your husband, spend time with your kids, spend time with your grandparents, and spend time with your family and just enjoy together and laugh together, man, great things will happen. Never underestimate the power behind family engagement. Oh, man. Life-changing. Some of the most spiritually impactful things that I do is interact with my family. This has changed over time. But my most intimate times of worship is playing with my kids on the living room floor. It used to be loud music, dark room, hands lifted, knees bent. That was how I engaged with God in worship. And I still do that. And there's some great fruit that comes from that style of worship. But I'm telling you, some of the greatest expressions of my worship, my greatest self-denial and praise and lifting up towards God is playing Legos for a whole long period of time when I, my brain can only last for so long. Or playing Barbies or playing the same kind of game. And it's sacrifice sometimes because I'm like, oh, like I'm tired or it's uncomfortable or whatever it is. And it becomes my greatest expression of worship to my king. It's just loving on my kids. It's taking my wife on date night, engaging with her in conversation. Why is this so impactful? Because I'm beginning to realize that my family is a target and an extension of my faith. Here's what I want you to catch. Don't miss this. See your family as an extension of your faith. See your family as an extension of your faith. Everybody here has some degree of family around them, or at least people you're close to that you call family. Maybe you moved here and you're the only family members that you actually have here, blood family members, whatever you got. But if you can begin to see your family as an extension of your personal relationship with God, you'll begin to think different. You'll begin to act different. You'll begin to pray different. You'll begin to study different. You'll begin to worship different. You'll begin to serve different. You'll go to church different. You'll spend your time different. Everything will begin to shift. And I'm just now learning how to do this. So it's like, oh gosh, I'm so excited for the journey because I'm seeing my family as an extension of what he's already doing in me. Let me show you something. I'm going to show you this video. And at first you might be like, Pastor Josiah, what's this video? Because it's a little different. It's got some scientific stuff behind it. And there's, there's a point behind the video that's not the point I'm trying to make. So just pay attention to this real quick. And I want you to have your open mind, and I want you to see yourself and through your family, see your family as an extension of yourself. Let's check this video out. So now we're searching for the magic frequency. And we start with 100 hertz, and we look through the microscope to see if anything's happening. We watch for five minutes. Nothing happens. We try hundreds and hundreds of frequencies, if not thousands, until we find the magic combination. Because we believed there just had to be a better way. There had to be a better way. And we think we may have found it. 
I have here two identical tuning forks, both tuned to the note A, the note an orchestra tunes to. These forks are both made to vibrate 440 times per second. We say their frequency is 440 hertz. If I tap this fork, putting little pulses of energy into it, the second fork will also vibrate in sympathy. And if I silence this fork, we just may, may hear the other singing its tone. We say that I'm inducing a sympathetic resonant vibration in the second fork. It only works because both forks are tuned to the exact same frequency. Now many of us have seen this very charming young man on the internet who shatters crystal glasses with his powerful voice. But if you watch him carefully, you'll see that first he taps the glass with his finger and listens. The glass sings its natural resonant pitch. Then he takes a deep breath and sings a loud, long note. He induces a resonant vibration in the crystal glass. The vibration grows larger and larger and larger until the glass is shattered. On the other end of the scale, we have a giant bridge made out of concrete and steel, a suspension bridge, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. Cars and trucks and buses are going over it every day. And unfortunately, where they built this bridge, there was a steady wind blowing across it. And one day, this wind induces a small vibration in the bridge, hardly noticeable. But the frequency of the vibration matches the resonant frequency of some part of the bridge. And the vibration gets larger and larger and larger until the bridge collapses into the river below. A destructive resonant frequency. So on one end of the scale, we have a giant concrete and steel bridge destroyed by resonance. And on the other, we have a small crystal glass shattered. So maybe we could shatter something even smaller, something really small, something you would need a microscope to see. Maybe we could shatter a living microorganism. So maybe we could change a biological living liquid crystal with a special electronic signal. But in order to do that, we would need some kind of device. So we search the US patent database and we find this invention by a physician, Dr. James Bear of Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's called a resonant frequency therapy device and its purpose is to induce a resonant vibration in a living organism or cell. If I put in, say, 100 hertz, out will come 100 pulses per second. If I put in 200 hertz, we'll get 200 pulses. So now we're searching for the magic frequency. And we start with 100 hertz, and we look through the microscope to see if anything's happening. We watch for five minutes. Nothing happens. So we try 101 hertz. We look through the scope for five minutes, and nothing happens. So we try 102, 103, and so on. Over the course of 15 months, we try hundreds and hundreds of frequencies, if not thousands, 
until we find the magic combination. The answer is you have to have two input frequencies, one low, one high, and the higher frequency must be 11 times the lower. It's what we musicians would call the 11th harmonic. When we add the 11th harmonic, we begin to shatter microorganisms like a crystal glass. These are the first videos taken. We showed these videos to our friends in the biology department. They said they hadn't seen anything quite like it. Seems to be a new phenomenon. These organisms are being shattered by our electronic signals. We now know that cancer is vulnerable between the frequencies of 100,000 hertz and 300,000 hertz. So now we attack leukemia cells. Leukemia cell number one tries to grow a copy of itself, but the new cell is shattered into dozens of fragments and scattered across the slide. Leukemia cell number two then hyperinflates and also dies. Leukemia cell number three then tries to make another cancer cell. The new cell is shattered and the original cell dies. Interesting to say the least, right? So you might be like, okay, what? We discovered cancer like treatment. I'm not trying to propose that to you today. That's for you to do your own further study. This is all I'm trying to grasp from that. And when I watched that, it struck me because I felt like the Lord began to tell me something. I felt like I began to see my family as an extension of my faith in God. And I began to feel like the Lord started speaking to me saying, Josiah, like you have a frequency, like you have something that only you bring to the table. And if you'll begin to partner with your family and see your family as an extension of your faith, that whole thought about maybe we're at one side of the scale and the others is at the other side of the scale. And if we'll all begin to step into who we really are and become a family unit that brings to the table what only my family unit can bring. There is something that only you and your family unit can bring to the table, nobody else. God has put that within you. And there is a unique flavor, if you can call it that, that is a, an, an only thing that you can bring. And God cannot supply it with somebody else. It's your flavor. It's your frequency, if you can call it that. And I truly believe with all of my heart that he's trying to awaken family units to begin to realize that they're here for more than just enjoying a good life, putting some money away for retirement so that they can travel the nation in a Winnebago and go play golf. There is something far greater that we can bring to the table, and that's awesome, and I love golf. <laughs> so listen, I'm not dogging that in any way, shape, or form, but what I am provoking you to begin to see is maybe there's some things that God has designed you to shatter if you'll but join your voice, your frequency, with your family unit and begin to recognize that how you invest into your family might be the very thing that God is awaiting on to, to, to shatter some things within our culture. And it might be something that you bring to the table that I can't bring to the table. So that's why he gave it to you. That's why it's on your heart. That's why it's important to you. That's why it breaks your mind your, in your heart. And you cry over it. And your heart is moved with it. Because it's a dream or something that God deposited deep inside of who you are. 
And if we would see our spirit this way, if we would see our marriage and our family this way, that it wasn't an accident that you got joined to the person you're joined with and that the kids that you have are the way that they are. They look the way that they look. They like the things that they like. They sing the way that they sing. They play the way that they play. And God has designed that. But maybe it was a deeper uh, blueprint for something greater than what maybe you or I have given it much thought of. I want to provoke you to that. So I believe it's a new wineskin. I learned some stuff about a new wineskin recently. In fact, I'll read it to you real, real quick. We talked about your family frequency, but it says this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. He says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored into new wineskins, so that both are preserved. You're not pouring wine a new wine into an old wineskin. See, when, when I study this out, I'm learning that it doesn't have anything to do with chronology. This doesn't have anything to do with how old you or something is. Old doesn't mean old in relation to time. Old could have been said like this in a retranslation. It could have been said, no man takes new wine and pours it into a wineskin that has not been submerged in renewal. And I love it when Pastor and I were talking at the beginning of January. He said, I feel like a word for this year is renewal. And it just leaped within my spirit because I said, yes, I'm feeling that's something that the Lord's speaking to me, a renewal of things. And so I'm looking at this new wineskin thought going, God, I want to be somebody who, who is not just older or getting old. My birthday's on Wednesday. Hey, but I'm talking about somebody who is literally being submissive to God, renewing them again and again. So maybe you might have been a part of your family and you've been married for, for decades and that's awesome. Power to you. Praise God that he's been so good to you and your family. But we're never beyond the point where we can say, God, help me to begin to understand a new way of thinking for my family, a new way of thinking for my kids and my grandkids. And I'm not just going to look forward to the next holiday so that we can have a good time. I'm going to begin to pray different and start investing into their spiritual reality. That might change the game. Wineskins go through renewal through a baptism of oil where you literally would submerge them in oil and you can massage renewal into a wineskin. The wineskin could continually experience renewal by way of submersion. You see, if you're not experiencing renewal by way of immersion, you don't become old through age. You become old by refusing to go through renewal. When Yahweh is pouring out his oils, pouring out his spirit, so that people, and there might be some people in this room that you might be one of the oldest guys in the room, but you are also the newest when it comes to staying in renewal. Huh? All the mamas and papas, grandmas and grandpas say, hey. Yeah? So what I mean is I'm not saying we're going to just get older and older and get older. I want to be, be in my 90s and in my 100s, but be the newest kid on the block because I stay submerged to a new baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire on my life, new oil, new thinking, allowing him to transform my mind, allowing him to see my family different, and him reprogramming Josiah so that the older I get, I stay more pliable. So that when his new wine comes in, I'm able to contain it. Because I'm not a crusty old wineskin. I'm allowing him to renew me by submersion into his spirit. 
so that when his spirit comes again and again or, or when it comes in a message or it comes in a moment or it comes in your morning devotions or it comes with playing in your, with your kids and a new thought begins to come, we don't just discard it. Because I'll be honest, that's what I was tempted to do when I saw the video. I was tempted to be like, that's too much for me. I don't know how to compute all that stuff. But I felt like the Lord, he's renewing my way of thinking, saying, Josiah, maybe it's not super crazy. Maybe you have a frequency that only you bring to the table. And maybe the other perfect side of the, the frequency that comes from your family is found in your wife, Ashley. And now it's expanding even more so through Judah and through Emma, through your family, and if you'll begin to embrace this thought, there might be some things that, that I want you to shatter within this culture, and you can never do it on your own. That's why you need to see your family as an extension of the spiritual development that's taking place inside of you. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, the game changes. So you can remain new as you get older as long as you continue to submit to the submersion of his oil. Amen? You, can you translate this same thought into what it takes to impact your family? Now, across this room, I know there's people who have been a dad far longer than I've been a dad, and you've been a husband far longer than I've been a husband, but can you get a fresh baptism of oil in your thinking, remaining pliable in the hands of the Father, renewal of ideas, renewal of how you see your family, how you see your marriage, how you see your kids, how you see the people he's put around you, how you see a baby that's on the way. And you begin to expand our thinking and go, God, you're so much bigger in this than I thought. And you're way more involved. This isn't just happenstance. This is something you're doing. And you begin to embrace that beautiful thing. You see, the new thing to impact your marriage or your family might not be something remarkably new. It might be something that's pretty simple. Let me give you guys a little nugget that may just change your family dynamic. Ready for this? Yahtzee. change your life a picnic a walk on the beach with your spouse holding hands flipping through an old photo album whatever it might be it might just be a little bit of effort to go on a route that invests into the spiritual fabric of your family by simply enjoying life together and letting them receive the overflow of your spiritual walk with God. Sometimes we feel like the, spirit, the only spiritual things we do is when we pray over our kids or when we pray with our spouse or when we worship together. And absolutely do that all day. I think that that's wonderful. But what I'm provoking you to understand is don't neglect even the simple things that you guys do together. That seems simple and not important or not that big of a deal. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm letting you know they're a big deal. And they mean so much with the art of the heart. And I believe God sees those and honors those. What if we just reached our families? What if every family represented here, you walked away today and said, maybe I don't have to win the world. I just need to win my family. What if I don't need to go above and beyond for every single person I come across with, but I can go above and beyond for my family? What if we had never impacted another person, but if we just kept our families within the heart of our families, including ourselves burning brightly for the Lord? If each person just poured into their own family, the world would be impacted. One family at a time. We'd partner with the generations coming after us, 
in the strongest way. Some studies have shown from such organizations as the U.S. National Library of Medicine and National Institutes of Health, among others, that families and parenting are showing that how they parent their children is going to last for generations that come after them. Oftentimes, we become a reflection of how how our great-great-grandparents parented their kids and how they loved their spouses. And then that has trickled down through the generations to how we parent our kids and how we love our spouses. Thus, our reach literally goes for generations to come. I think embracing the generations is huge. I know this is big on pastor's heart for us as a church is that we would be a church that is multi-generational. Just take a look around. We're a multi-generational church. It's beautiful. It's family. It's the heart of God, man. I love it. We embrace the generations around here. And all throughout scripture, there's stories about how the generations worked together. Even when Samson was his eyes were out and he was blind and, and he's there and he's in his last moment of glory where he's already messed it up and then got it right and then messed it up and got it right so many different times. And he's in this moment and the scriptures say that it was a little boy that put his hands on the pillars. That he pushed it down and took out all these, all the bad guys. It was a little boy. And even Jesus, when he's feeding the 5,000, where'd he get the food from? A little boy. It's a bigger, deeper lesson that there was a bridging of the generations that came together. Why? Because it didn't have to do it that way. Jesus could have just manifested food. He could have said, in and out burgers for everybody. Y'all get it, except for some Chick-fil-A folk over here. Like, he could have just did that. But instead, he used the little boy's lunch. And there was a partnering with the generations again. Let's not just do things, do everything for the next generation. Let's do it with them. Don't just... Provide for your kids. Do everything. Like, go with them on the journey. Teach them to pray and to understand and to, and to be involved in where you guys are journeying as a family. Just about every time in Scripture, when God speaks to a father, he speaks to them about territory and about generations. He speaks to them about territory and generations. What if the things we're believing for God to do in our region... And through our great church is actually more connected to the impact of our family. What if what we're believing for, for San Diego, the answer is found with how we treat our family? What if the strength of our marriage is connected to the strength of what God desires to do within our region? What if our devotion and enjoyment of our children and grandchildren does more for San Diego than we realize? What if every time we tried to impact the region, it wasn't just by setting up a big outreach? And we're going to set up big outreaches, and that's great. But the overall goal of the big outreaches is to connect with families. So that at the end of the day, we can hopefully get them into a place where they're being poured into, and the family unit is being strengthened in the things of God. That's what we need. Worship team, why don't you guys come back up? I'm going to close this out. I want to propose to you today that your family is remarkably beautiful. Well, Pastor Josiah, you don't know our story. We've been fighting. We've been going through it. Our marriage is hanging on by a thread. 
you don't know what my kids are doing. They're rebellious. They're not listening. They're going crazy and acting this. And you don't know about this. You don't know about the hurt that we've been through. I, I, you're right, I don't. But what I do know is this. I do know that my God is ridiculously good. And he knows how to take what the devil meant for evil and turn and use it for good. And I think that he is not sideswiped or blindsided by the things that have occurred in your family. I think he saw it coming. And I think it breaks his heart in many ways. And he mourns when you mourn and he cries when you cry. But at the same time, he also empowers you. And he also puts his spirit within you. And he says there's a frequency that you could begin to release through your prayers. And if you'll begin to recognize that it's, this whole world isn't about just surviving your family, but it's that your family could become the answer to so many things that are broken in this world. That your family, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, can change things that nobody else can change. Your family. Your specific family. But it has to start there your marriage, your family. Mother Teresa is quoted for saying, if you want to bring happiness to the whole world, just go home and love your family. That's where it starts. And from somebody who impacted much of the world, what a great piece of advice. What I want to do in these last couple quick minutes that we have is would you please stand with me? I want to create space up here at this altar and I just want to pray for you. If you're with your family today, uh, it doesn't even matter uh, who it is, whether it's grandparents or whatever, but uh, just I want you to come find some space up here at the altar. Just grab them by the hand and say, grabbing my, my husband, my wife, or kids, whatever. Would you just come up here and come find space? There's probably going to be a lot. So just come find some space somewhere. And what I want you to come up and do is I just want this to be a physical act of you stepping out of your seat and going to the front here as your family unit. And listen, this isn't going to be about me praying a big prayer over you. This is going to be about you and your family holding each other and you guys praying over yourself. Pastor Zion, we fought in the car the whole way here. Perfect. This is the perfect moment. Just, just come up here <laughs> and we can make some things right. Now listen, if you're out there in your seats and you're like, well, I don't have my, my family with me today, that's awesome. You can do it right there in your seats as well. But I want you to begin to visualize what does it look like for your family unit to be on fire with the things of God. And maybe you just turn in this into a moment where you just with your family just begin to pray and you just say, God, just help us. Help us to get this. What's our frequency in our family? What have you called us to do? Let me play one blanket prayer over you, and then I'm going to release you guys to just pray amongst yourselves with your own family units, okay? Father, I'm asking in Jesus' name that every single person here would realize they are incredible. They are so beautiful, and that the family... No wonder there's such an onslaught against families within American culture. It's because I believe the devil is scared of a family unit that comes together and prays and worships and believes together. And I'm asking God that a resounding frequency would begin to come out of the lives of each family unit that's here. No matter how insignificant they may feel. I'm praying, God, that you would put a courage on the inside of them, that they wouldn't just look at their life about making money and, and having family, enjoying memories and so on, but it would literally be about, man, what is our purpose? Maybe there's something greater to our family legacy. God, put those kinds of thoughts and deeds, heal hearts, do miracles, 
amongst the families that are represented all across this room. I want you guys just to begin to pray. As they Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. See you real soon.